Welcome to the Higher Ed, Higher Purpose podcast, guiding families to find the right college fit, helping students in the college search process while exploring God's purpose for their lives. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Higher Ed, Higher Purpose podcast. I'm Phil Cook, your host. We're very pleased today to be welcoming a very special guest, Dr. Gene Habecker. Dr. Habecker is a well-known and successful seasoned leader in Christian higher education. He's worked at a variety of schools, including Eastern University in Philadelphia, George Fox in Oregon, and then two tenures as president at both Huntington University and his alma mater, Taylor University, where he currently serves as the president emeritus. And his latest book, The Softer Side of Leadership, Essential Soft Skills That Transform Leaders and the People They Lead, has already been endorsed by more than 75 leaders from around the world. We're so pleased that Dr. Habecker is here with us today. Dr. Habecker, thank you for being part of our podcast. Oh, it's a joy to be with you. Look forward to our time together. Okay, so let's look at parents from a uh, and, and their children. You know, a parent, God blesses a parent or a family with kids. And the parents say, as Mary Lou and I did with our own kids, oh my goodness, you know, how are we got to honor this gift of these young people that God has entrusted us with? How are we going to, how are we going to steward their gifts and their abilities in the right way? So, you know, there are a couple of strategies that we'll, we'll embrace in doing that. You know, number one, we as parents will establish traditions and practices and habits, we hope, in the home. And, uh, you know, so, you know, Howard Hendricks, a former professor at Dallas Seminary, you know, I think he had a lot of stuff to say in his writings there on the importance of the home in creating the base for, for what has to happen uh, in terms of outcomes. So you, you, you start with the family union, but then the parents will go, well, wait a minute, let's see, who, who can be our partners in this process? And the partners in the process, usually one of the first steps that, that those partnerships will, will go to is the church. You know, and, and it will be the Sunday school program, it'll be, you know, youth group programs, et cetera. But parents will look at the process here and say the church needs to be part of it and, and play a key role in all of this. Now, I will say, as an aside, I wish churches were more passionate about Christian higher ed than they are. Absolutely. I think that's one of the one of the things that we've got to we've got to pull the lever to, to think about how we do that differently because a lot of a lot of churches are not promoting Christian higher ed you know and, and and I think that's sad but then again it's an opportunity for us to do a better job of connecting the mission of what we do to the kingdom vision that we're called to honor you know in terms of our work so so but anyway the church so you start with the family and then you have the church some parents may say well Let's go to the local Christian school, you know, and so they opt for, you know, K through 12 and they go into that process and they'll look at that partnership as a very important one uh, for them. And, and for many, it, it works really, really well. The mistake that I see parents make often, though, is that they think that the basic formative work of educating and value determination is finished by the time they they get through high school and in fact it's just starting you know the the four years that they spend post high school whether it's from a, a public high school or whether it's from a private high school or or whether it's from a christian high school are the most 
formative four years of a person's lifetime. Think of all the decisions, you know, that, that students make within those those four years. And it's scary to have them kind of out there on their own. But anyway, the third partner is 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 schools, you know, Christian schools. You know, I mean, those are all good partners so far. A fourth partner is Christian higher ed. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go into this. But a lot of parents more Christian young people, unfortunately, will go to non-Christian college universities and go to Christian college universities. And they have no clue as to the world that they're sending their young person to. And I've done a lot of research on this. When I was in the presidency of both Huntington and Taylor, these were active areas of consideration. And I think if parents were to do the research of the practices that go on in the residence halls or the dorms, we read about them from time to time that go on in the fraternities, you know, and sororities uh, on college campuses. The, these are the areas that a lot of colleges don't start with. They don't, they don't rush to the forefront and say, hey, let us tell, tell you about all the, you know, the vomit we're cleaning up over the weekend because mm-hmm. of all the students who came home in the dorm and got drunk. Yep. I mean, we, they don't talk about that or they don't talk about shared bathrooms or where the young men and young women are, you know, using the same showers and same bathroom and, and, and living together. And, you know, Tufts University, a couple of years ago, I flagged this, you know, passed a new rule that said, okay, if your roommate is in the room, you can't be in your room with somebody else and having sex. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unimaginable, but yet this is going on in those options. Now, fortunately, there are groups like the Veritas Forum at Harvard, the Consortium for Christian Study Centers, which is located at Cornell, that are beginning to, to do some things you know, to help push that tide back. But there are only like 34 of them, and there are thousands of, mm-hmm. thousands of members of uh, thousands of universities around the United States. So we, that, ha- that side has to grow. So if you ask the question then, Back to the parents, God's blessed me with kids. The church is a key partner. Uh, Christian schools, K through 12 are key partners. And knowing some of the challenges that exist at the state university or at some of the private Ivies or Ivy-like institutions, I think it leaves the Christian college university an option that more parents need to take a deep look at. And so that's really... You know, you know, one of the options that I'm really committed to and have been, you know, through my my career at uh, Eastern College in Philadelphia and George Fox University in in Oregon and then uh, Huntington and and lastly at, at Taylor University. What you're describing, Dr. Hobbecker, is precisely what we're trying to do at NACAP and the places like CCCU, but specifically NACAP is trying to get families and parents for their sons or daughters to consider a Christian college university. Uh, you've outlined already some of the, 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 the partners. What do you think the reasons are that parents don't push it more, don't engage in this process more? You framed already the challenges in higher ed in particular, now I'm speaking about, about the, the challenges of, of public schools and big research universities. What are parents' reluctance? Why are they reluctant and why do they stop short of fully investing and encouraging their sons or daughters to consider one of our schools? Well, I think one of the reasons, well, there's, there's a couple of them that, I, that, that come to mind. Number one, there's some myths out there that inform behaviors that are never pursued or checked or validated by parents. For example, one of those myths is yeah, we can't afford it. They look at the sticker price and, and, and they, sorry, we can, there's no way we can pay that. 
and financial aid, unfortunately, has become so complicated, you know, with net tuition discussions and and financial aid from the state and private sources and all the rest of it and tuition calculators, you know, which the government government now requires institutions to use. It's it's just all very confusing. And if you're in a particular income category, you simply more or less assume that there's no way we could afford it. So without exploring it, without exploring it, uh, the, the parent simply walks away. And which explains why some schools have gone through retuition resets in the last couple of years. I think Houghton has gone through a reset. Gordon has gone through a reset. One I think of my former King, colleague institutions, Bryan College, just did it as well down in Tennessee where yeah, I used to work. So the they've King's, gone through it as well. King's College, yeah. The King's College, I'm battling a head cold here. The, the King's College has just gone through a reset. And, and part of the rationale for that is we want to give them at first exposure a lower price that doesn't scare them away. So I think that is a factor. I think I think another factor, and this is a little bit more subtle, and I, I'm going to try to nuance it in ways that we can understand it. I don't think what we do is sell the idea of a Christian college to parents. I think what we do is that we identify key issues that they've got to wrestle to the ground, regardless of what choice of school they're looking at, and then do the comparison and, 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 and contra- contrasting of what the Christian college can bring to that task versus state university can bring to that task, or public Ivy or Ivy League can bring to that task, and then pray for what Proverbs talk about, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, good judgment, discernment, uh, and common sense. And I would say faith that if God calls you in a particular direction, he's going to provide the resources for where you need to go. So I think I think one of the things we probably haven't gotten right is is you know why why parents should send their kids to Christian colleges. That, that almost has a sales pitch to it. And parents are looking at the wrong things. They they commoditize, you know, uh, higher ed and well, I'm just, you know, I can do X over here and Y over here without looking at where's the value at, you know? And so I think, I think that's one of the things we have to do is we have to message our, our task a little bit different. It's not selling the idea. It's identifying issues that are common to any higher ed choice that a parent might look at. And then comparing and contrasting each of those eight or nine issues, I've, I've identified nine issues. And I think when you look at those eight or nine issues, and ask how that option does it or how this option does it. You know, let, let's 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 take this the state university, for example. I'll just give you an example of what I mean by this. If forming a Christian worldview is important to me as a parent, now it may not be. And that's that's part of the dilemma. So this, you know, this is why I I, you know, in my own in my own way of thinking, I ask uh, these kinds of questions. You know, so as parents, what do you want? Do you is is forming a, a Christian worldview important to you? Then you have to ask yourself the question: Where will you get the greatest optimization? Not perfectly, mm. but the greatest optimization of a Christian worldview at every level of your sons and daughters' education. You know, but in the Christian college, you have faculty members, godly men and women who mentor young people from. The day they walk on campus to the day they graduate, they are invested in their lives. And there are worldview discussions that take place all the time. Now, when you layer on those discussions 
with what goes on in the discussions in the residence halls. And you layer those discussions, which what go on in the athletic pitch. You layer those discussions, which what go on in college chapel experiences. And you, in essence, students are immersed into this. Again, okay, you hear the bubble argument and you need a, a little dose of the secular world. Well, I think colleges can build that into their programs by having, you know, great global programs or great service programs in the urban cores or in other areas. But I, I think there, there's no question that faith development, if Christian worldview is important to me, parents have got to look at the Christian option. Christian college university option as one of the options to deliver that and then compare it and contrast it with what they would get at state university Y or Ivy league Z, you know, as the case might be, or any other place they're thinking about sending their student edu high Christian. It's it's we're talking more about in this, in this podcast, we're talking more than just, how do I say this opening up the brain and filling it with knowledge and information. We're talking about how do you make a life? How do you prepare a student for a 40-year runway of kingdom faithfulness? That's really the question. And if parents are committed to that as part of their endgame for their, for their children, then you've got to look at what the Christian college can do. And you don't have that option. Now, you may choose to go another direction, but you know, here, here's, here's often what happens. Johnny or Susie comes home. One of their classmates, again, private could be private, secondary school or public. Well, I, I think my best friends, they decide to go to State University X. And boy, they've got some neat stuff going down there. And so the, the student begins to fix their mind on that option. And the parent goes, well, I, I, want, I want Johnny or Susie to be happy. Uh, I don't want to disappoint them. I want them to go where they can be with their friends. They've been good friends all of their lives, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they don't stop to push back. And of course, this is one of the other things I would say to parents. Don't wait till your son or daughter is a sophomore or a junior or a senior in high school to begin to have these conversations. Start having them in fifth grade, you know, and taking them to visit, you know, Christian campuses. Introduce them to places that parents think might be good fits. Find if they're into music, take them to concerts. If they're into sports, take them to athletic contests. Begin to shape their their understanding of what the options are. You know, don't start with the cost, or maybe I should say this, don't start with a price. Start with the other things that a Christian institution can deliver and go from there. So again, I, I'm, I'm saying here, Phil, it's not that you won't decide eventually to go to State University X or private university Y or whatever, but non-Christian, but at least make it an informed choice and make it a knowledgeable choice. And I think if, if parents do that, Christian higher education is going to get their fair share of young people. Absolutely. Once again, our guest today is Dr. Gene Habecker. Thank you for being with us today. We're getting your insights, not only as a president and leader in Christian higher education, but as a parent. That's what makes your comments so instructive to us today. Dr. Habecker, you said a couple of things that I want to push in on a little bit. One of the things you said is the way the nuances of promoting or selling to parents versus identifying key issues and wrestling them to the ground. The yeah. imagery when you say that makes me think, of course, of a Bible story with Jacob wrestling. And I come, I come from Pennsylvania where wrestling in high school and college, they take wrestling seriously. These are critical times. I almost said perilous times. I don't want to be negative in that regard, but these are yeah. arguably more important times than ever 
ever for families to identify these key issues and then to help connect their sons or daughters to Christian education. When you say wrestled them to the ground, that, that, that emotes something that I want you to push back or to, to elaborate on a little bit and talk about how important it is now, maybe even more than in your tenure of previous years of serving in higher ed. Well, I think if, if it was important when I was serving at, at all levels, you know, uh, and as our most recent presidency at Taylor. But it's even more important now because you have the avalanche, uh, maybe I should say the tsunami of social media where everybody is an expert, you know, uh, with these tracking devices where people understand what your interests are and social media. And so they have an algorithm, you know, to just feed you what your interests are. And so the social media folks and the algorithm driver folks don't really care about giving you the whole truth or the whole side of an issue. They, they, they want to feed the side of the issue that you have demonstrated some interest in. So if you never, if you, if you, if you've never pushed the uh, search button uh, on Google or whatever, you know, uh, search engine you uh, use and have, have gone after the Christian college or fill in particular names, the, the algorithms won't feed you any names of schools like that. They'll just give you, you know, the names of the schools that you've indicated some interest in. So I think parents have got to push back against that, for lack of a better term, uh, virtual media bias, mm. you know, and, and begin to say, how can we proactively introduce the idea? Now, again, I wish the church would be a better partner with helping parents do this. Uh, I, this, this would be curious. How many... How many churches work with NACAP in terms of hosting, you know, Christian college admissions fairs? Are there are there hundreds of them? There are. They're not hundreds of them. No, we have we have a hundred in, in a traditional non-COVID year about one hundred twenty Christian college fairs. This past year, we were pleased to be back to right at a hundred. Most of our fairs are better hosted in these days at private Christian schools. K yeah, through 12. Yeah, so there are some at churches and it seems like a natural fit, but that's a good follow-up as well because I think a real pointed uh, conversation here that would speak to to the church at large because there might be a, a family listening together that would say, well, what can I do at my church? Or a pastor might say, well, what can I do? So what what advice specifically for churches should they be doing to, to emphasize, to help promote, to identify these issues, to help Christian colleges? What can churches and what can Christian schools should be doing? Well, I guess one of the first questions I would ask a pastor to, th to think about is what version of the gospel are you promoting in your church? Now, let me let me explain that. Uh, you know, for our, and this is not meant to be critical of anybody in any way, but I, I think as I as I understand in my passing uh, experience, you, you learn a little bit more about you know what the Bible is teaching. I think. The gospel has at least three legs to a stool, if I can use that metaphor or that imagery. The first leg that I grew up with, and it was the primary one I heard about in church, and it was a good Bible teaching church that I grew up in, in Pennsylvania. If you're familiar with Pennsylvania, the Lancaster, Hershey. I am. That, that's my loop. That's my context. I went to high school at Hershey and Anvil. And so, you know, you, you know, if you know that, that, so you know where I'm at. I don't know if our listeners do, but I certainly do. I, I spent some time at Cocalico High School, so I'm very familiar. Oh yeah, with in, in Lancaster. About. I attended. Uh, yeah, myself. my parents were both from Lancaster County. Yeah. So, so here's here's the idea. The primary thing that I heard about was evangelism. You know, uh, I would call this the Great Commission piece of the gospel. You know, go into all the world, 
you know, and, and basically what that meant and preach the gospel. And there was more interest in that going and sharing the good news of salvation than there was in teaching them whatsoever things I've commanded you, you know, which was also part of his great commission. But there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on the second part of the gospel, which for me is the great commandment. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's not one or the other. It's both and. Yes. You know, you have the evangelization focus on the one side. You have the charge to love God and, you know, with all that I am, which again is asking, how does the college option you're looking at teach you to love God with more than just your mind? but also your heart, but also your soul, you know, et cetera. And again, advantage here to the Christian college, I think, because it's holistic in terms of what it's doing. So that's the second piece that then has been added. But the third piece of the, of the stool that is very active in, in discussions we have now is what I call the great requirement. And I go back to Micah 6, 8, you know, where what is it, oh man, Modern translations won't say it quite that way, but what is it, oh man, that the Lord requires yeah. to do justice, you know, to love mercy and to walk in humility with God? That is also a very important part. And you can see if you follow what Jesus' teachings were through the Gospels, he had a lot to do with justice. He had a lot to do with poverty. He had a lot to do with, you know, foreigners and strangers. Uh, he empowered women before it became, you know, a, a very modern, you know, topic of emphasis. And my point is, if you look at that holistically, you know, as the great requirement, the great commandment, and the great commission, it's not only one of those three that I can settle on if I embrace the gospel. I have to embrace, I think the scripture calls me, I think Jesus calls me to embrace, you know, the justice, mercy, and humility piece. Love God with all my heart, mind, soul, strength, you know, and my neighbors, myself, peace, and to go into all the world and share the good news. That, that to me, presents some of the elements that we're talking about here, you know, in terms of the gospel. Now, again, you, if, if you don't believe that, you know, then what does the Christian college have to say, you know, to you in terms of some, you know, Christian worldview? Because that what I just articulated there is a potential Christian worldview argument. As to what a worldview would look like, you know, a biblically informed Christian worldview, and I think that's what that's where Christian colleges excel. So, so that that in terms of the church, I would I would probably what kind of gospel is the church preaching? You know, is it presenting that kind of holistic, you know, uh, inclusive kind of thing? Again, being let, letting the Bible. I'm not talking here about getting outside the parameters of of biblical faith and biblical instruction because I think orthodoxy is a very important piece here. You know, and unfortunately, some schools have strayed a bit, I think, in some of their orthodoxy. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about orthodoxy here, you know, in terms of, of, of the mission of the focus. Here's, here's, here's another thing where I think is a huge opportunity for Christian colleges. The church arguably wants to advance the kingdom of God through its programs. How has the Christian liberal arts college demonstrated the kingdom impact? of what it does in terms of of linking that 
to the to the vision and mission and service of the church. You know, I think if if the attempt is, well, you guys need to support us. You know, we we need the money. I, that's not going to be a very persuasive argument. Everybody needs the money, but if you if you can demonstrate that we're not going to we're not going to have the kingdom impact, you know, in the sciences. In the business community, in the legal community, you know, in the medical community, fill in the blank, unless we somehow have a church that's engaged at all of those levels, the Christian college can help with that because that's exactly what it does in terms of uh, helping prepare the next generation of global kingdom leaders. So I, I think that's another area that I would probably encourage Christian colleges to work on is how can we develop partnerships and collaboration. I think some schools have done a really good job with certain areas, like we're going to have matching scholarship programs. You know, if the church puts up X amount of money, the college will match it. I mean, that's that's helpful. But if you haven't made the argument as to how, what the kingdom impact of the what the campus does as leveraging the kingdom impact that you aspire to for your people in your church, you, you've missed the mark. So I, I think those are those are opportunities. Uh, I you know I remember and again here's opportunities. I remember when I was on the board of the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, the CCCU. I was living in New York at the time, and so I thought that what I want to do is bring the leadership of the CCCU up to New York City, and I brought about ten or fifteen African American pastors. Because my vision is, okay, a lot of these pastors don't know about Christian liberal arts colleges because we've not really spent time getting into their worlds. Again, there's an opportunity you know, to, to build networks and relationships. And I think campuses are doing so much better than in that area now than was the case 25 years ago. But they were not interested in sending their young people to Christian liberal arts colleges or Bible colleges, as the case might be, because they weren't sure they would get the kind of reception racially at, on Christian college campuses. Now, again, that was then, and I think now is a hopefully a much better scenario, and Christian colleges are, are getting that that better. But again, it raises the question, where are, where are Christian colleges with what historic African-American, Latina, Latino, Asian churches are Christian colleges developing networks with and helping them, you know, in terms of their, their accomplishment. Those are opportunities, I think, that Christian liberal arts colleges can have. Yeah, there's no doubt there's an opportunity for that still. I do think we're doing that better. I think the CCCU is doing better. We're, dry, we're trying here at NACAP to be ensuring that we're providing more opportunities for diversity of students and enrollment. Uh, one, because the sustainability of the opportunity is there. The demographics of this question uh, makes it an imperative. But secondly, it, it, as you said already, it goes so well to the mission, the mission of being a believer and in terms of justice and mercy. So I think there's still an opportunity for that and, and there's still work to be done in that area. And I appreciate oh, yeah. you raising it for sure. You're listening to the Higher Ed, Higher Purpose podcast.
I'm just thinking as you're talking, Dr. Habecker, that parents that are listening to us today, um, this is the kind of conversation, this is the kind of dialogue, this is the kind of investment that happens at Christian college universities. I don't know if it happens with the same uh, intellect and, and passion and focus of someone of Gene Habecker's quality, but it's still going on. And so we're so pleased you're taking time to talk with us. And in particular, we're talking about the parents' role in this. And you said something earlier yeah. I want to raise again is the early um uh, interventions, not the right, but the early exposure, the early introduction, a little self-promotion. Dr. Hobbecker, I just successfully defended my dissertation on Monday of this week. And my research, thank you so much. It's been a long process for me, but I, the, the, the research topic was college choice of faith-based institutions. So I surveyed some schools in the country that are CCCU and NACAP schools. And the one finding that we had to be careful to generalize it, however, was ensuring that students make their college choice, their Christian college, their first choice and exposing them to this idea earlier. So yeah, in particular, what, what can and ha- a little bit more about what parents can and should be doing to introduce their sons or daughters, not going into their senior year, but what things and what, what advice and what imperatives for parents that are listening that say, you should be doing this because this Christian college can change their life and ultimately their eternity. Now that's kind of a trick question. And I'll tell you why it's a trick question. Because if I, as a parent, don't believe in the value or the benefit of the Christian college, I am not, I want to care, you know, whether I do it earlier or not. So I guess the, the question for me is a slightly different one. The question for me is, are you as a parent, have you done the homework? Have you done the research to understand the value add that the Christian college university can bring to the higher education partnership that you desire for your son or daughter. And so I'm, I'm saying the first step is not to bring them in early, although you can. The first step is to begin an exploration process because a lot of parents aren't graduates of Christian liberal arts college. If you're, if you're a graduate of Christian liberal arts college, hopefully you see that as a good thing. Mary Lou and I cherish, you know, our undergraduate experience at Taylor. We loved it and, you know, great value. And all of our kids are graduates of Christian liberal arts college. So that was a value that we promoted, you know, early. Uh, so, so first of all, the parents, are you convinced? Number two, when you present this idea to maybe a reluctant junior hire who think they have life already figured out of what's required, you know, you don't know what you don't know, you know, at those younger ages. For us, it was a privilege to go to Christian liberal arts colleges, work in Christian liberal arts colleges. So we saw the benefit. Not every parent has that option. So I, I guess what I'm saying to parents is you need to put together a plan of discovery to learn about Christian liberal arts colleges. Now, this again is where NATCAP, I think, can be of help. Because if, if I'm a parent and I would say to you, all right, Phil, what books would you give me to read that demonstrate the kind of things that you're talking about? Well, I'm, this is not putting you on the spot, but what I'm saying is how much, and don't, don't, give, uh, don't give them 20. You know, say, here's one book, or here's, you know, maybe you create a reader you know, with with chapters from a variety of different books that speak to this kind of thing. So I think that's that's a service you could do. But I, I think when back to our, our son, we, we said to our kids, okay, we want you to at least go to Christian college for one year. Now, you know, for a lot of parents, it's all or nothing. You're gone to institution X. No, 
try it. The old Mikey commercial. I'm yes. dating myself when yes. I try it. You might like it. <laughs> I get it. You know, and our kids, that was the story of all of our kids. They tried it. They like it. And they said, and what do you think of the, think of some of the advantages, you know, not every place champions a Christian worldview. Not everybody champions a, a vibrant community of scholarship, you know, where you have mature men and women in the faculty, PhDs, you know, from some of the very best universities in the world, you know, mentoring your son or daughter in the classroom. You know, not every institution, you know, uh, champions relationships and the importance of community. It's, it's amazing to, you know, I have, I have degrees from three state universities. And obviously one from a, a Christian large college. I don't know any people that I went to school with, you know, at those three state universities. You know, the, this, the situation was just not conducive to building lifelong friendships. Now, having said that, my wife, you know, has a friend of college classmates, you know, and I won't give you their ages, but every year they gather together. You know, five or six of them, they all were roommates on their floor. And they talk about, okay, so what has God been teaching us since last year? Some of them have lost their husbands. You know, they've out, and it's, it's a real genuine, I mean, where are you going to get that? Now, that may not be important to you, but I'm saying the longer you go in life, the more you're going to understand that. And so that is, that's an example. That's one of those, the, one of those things, you know, parents, what do you want? Is that is is sending your son or daughter to a place where they're going to likely optimize friendship, build relationships, and champion community. If that's not important, it, then you're going you're gonna to go some other. But this is why I'm saying parents need to put together a list of what are the, what are the values that will, how are you going to decide to decide? That's really the question I'm asking here for to have my son whether or not I want to introduce them to a Christian college or not. So, you know, once you're convinced of the value add, then I think it's the earlier the, and don't, don't say, well, we're going to go visit a Christian college today. You know, Hey, we're going to go see a concert, a jazz concert or a, a basketball game, or Taylor has this program called silent night, you know, or whatever. We're just going to go and visit. No big deal. We're not going to make the argument and just plant seeds. And the earlier parents plant those seeds the better it is in terms of having the young person be open uh, to that kind of an option. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're, you're, you're referencing the try one year. It was my father's deal with me. We have parents out there who are, who are not college graduates who are intimidated by the process. We have those who went to state schools and, of course, those that are alums of our institutions, but all of which can do their research to decide what to decide uh, before they engage in this conversation. You know, when you, when you as a parent, when you as a parent identify the issues that are important to you, in this decision. And let's say you, you come up with 10. I think there probably should be five or 10 that you, you should really look at. And then compare and contrast all the options that your son or daughter is looking at, you know, in terms of that, you know, that, that's a plus, that's a minus. You know, there, there are going to be some uh, situations where, you know, a school that's not a Christian college might have a, a better major in your area that your school you're not, doesn't offer. Or there may be a, an advantage. My, 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 what I'd say to parents is don't look just at one thing. What you want to do is look at the body of work. That's a, that's a, that's the term that sports teams use. Look at the whole body of work of the athlete. You know, look at the, look at the package that you get and then compare the package from school X with the package from school Y or Z, you know, and then prayerfully, you know, seek to make a decision.
Excellent. And and you, when we started the conversation, Dr. Hobbeck, you talked about some writing that you're doing, and, and I'm, we've touched on all these issues. I'm sure, again, there are issues that you're doing some writing because of uh, the value of Christian higher education, but in particular, the role that parents play. So this writing that you're doing, you've referenced it a couple of times, and, and yeah. we've been talking about those things, but just a general kind of summary of what you're writing and what you're, exper- you're exploring in your own personal research and study on this particular issue. Maybe some summative thoughts about parents in this process, this most important process process of making this decision? Well, as, as, as you and I were talking earlier, uh, what I've been wrestling with is this topic, you know, why should it matter to a parent? That, that's where you start with. And, and again, the title, and, you know, I'd be happy to make this available, for example, yeah. to NACAP. And parents might enjoy just reading, you know, this is not promoting a particular Christian college, it's promoting, you know, this group here. As, so as parents, what do you want? What's important to you? And I've identified nine issues. You know, one that I've identified in here is the issue of prestige and reputation. Well, gosh, if my son goes to fill in the blank, uh, you know, look at the look at the jobs, look at the jobs, you know, the job offers they get, look at the salaries that that they they're paid. And Christian College X over here doesn't it is nowhere close to that. How, how do you explain that? Or, or my goodness, if if I go to that institution, look at the alumni network and you know jobs that they're going to offer, et cetera. Well, those those are factors to look at. But if if you do a search on the web, the primary advantage that a prestigious quote unquote Ivy League type institution gives a parent is the prestige that it gives you to tell your friend, "Hey, my son's going to Harvard," or you know, people look at you differently if if they say, you know, my son's going to Harvard. They'll look at your son differently. They'll look at you differently. And that often is a an emotional issue, frankly, uh, not a biblical issue, you know, because the audience of one that we celebrate as people of faith is what is God thinking of you? You know, not whether it's going to be just about prestige, you know, and again, you can't argue with some of the reputational prestige issues, quote unquote, if those are the only things you look at when you look at those kinds of institutions, they're, you know, they're fabulously wealthy, huge financial aid packages, but very hard to get into. I might add that too. I was looking at one over the weekend and uh, they accept 3,700 students or they, they enroll 3,700 students and there's 63,000 applications. So if I get in, I'm really excited about that. And again, I'm not saying that's not the right choice for someone. I'm simply saying look at a variety of things. So I think, you know, what kind of moral climate do you want your child to be shaped by? You know, here, here, here is something. Let me just read this to you. This, this, this will give you an illustration. This comes from the director of the Harvard University Health Service. Okay. Okay. If your son or daughter is in college, the chances are almost one in two that he or she will become depressed. To the, and this is before COVID. I'm, I'm going to say that. This is not in the midst of COVID. This is pre-COVID. So you can just see how that would be exacerbated by COVID. If your son or daughter is in college, the chances are almost one in two that he or she will become depressed to the point of being unable to function. One in two that he or she will have regular episodes of binge drinking with the resulting significant risks of dangerous consequences such as sexual assault and car accident. And one in 10 that he or she will seriously consider suicide. In fact, since the late 80s, the likelihood of a college student suffering depression has doubled. Suicidal ideation has tripled and sexual assaults have quadrupled. The information on student mental health 
in college, this is the book, College of the Overwhelmed, is the elephant in the room that no one is talking about. That, that would be an example. Is that, is that the kind of environment, you know, that is, is the better choice for you to see your son or daughter develop holistically as a servant of God to leverage the kingdom? You know, that, that's, that's the kind of, uh, you know, that's the kind of, what I, what I want instead would be something like this. And this, this comes from another note that a parent wrote to me, Phil. The, the parent said this, I don't think it's too far out to say that I believe their time at the university has equipped our kids to be leaders in their generation. And our world certainly needs such people. I feel like the university was our last partner in the Raising the Kids project. Mm. And what a partner. Thank you so much. That, that's what Christian colleges want. We, we, we want to be a partner with parents. You know, we, we want to be able to say, hey, we know the values that you've raised your kid. Come along. You can entrust your young person to us. We will partner with you. Add, you know, unless you have a PhD in mathematics, you're probably not going to do a very good job of teaching them math if you're homeschooling. You know, unless you have a PhD in computer engineering, you're not going to be able to do that or in, in mechanical engineering or a, a PhD in music or fill in the fill in the blank. Let these campuses be your partner. Uh, and I love this. Let let these campuses be your partner in the Raising the Kids project and celebrate that and enjoy it and be grateful to God for it. And what you're saying there, I think, is so true, both in personal experience and my only 28 years of working in higher ed, the last partner in the Raising the Kids project. That's an interesting point because at 22, well, now they're going out to the world. We're still partners. Parents are still involved, but but the opportunity to influence and guide and and, and help to uh, to mold them is at that time in life. I was going to ask, because as we kind of summarize our thoughts, and again, we're with Dr. Gene Habecker, a wonderfully rich, full conversation about why parents and why students should choose a Christian, a Christian college university. I was going to ask about your time as president now and specifically and kind of reflecting. Yeah. You've, offered a, you've offered a comment there. I bet I have a, a drawer full of notes. When someone says, Phil, what, what, do, you, what do you look to? Where's where your sense of, of uh, gratitude or what, you're after, what you've done in your life? Well, I, I open up a drawer of hundreds of notes from students over the years, and you've offered yeah. one of those. But I'm also thinking of someone who has led institutions, who's been a leader, uh, not just at those institutions, but for Christian education around the world. Uh, are there stories or thoughts or insights from the presidential level? Um, we've been very focused on the parent and the college process, but, but what, what thoughts come to mind as you look back and reflect on your years as a president and leading a higher ed institution and specifically leading a higher ed institution that is Christ-centered and trying to point students towards God's plan for their life. Let me start with just a general observation. And there, there are some exceptions to this generality, but Christian colleges over the last 20 years have gotten better and better and better and better at what they do. You know, they haven't been on a downhill slide. I mean, if you go back and look at the campus of some of the places where you've been, some of the places I've been, the campus of today looks nothing like the campus 20 years ago. You know, Christian colleges have facilities. Now, they may not have 20 auditoriums, but they'll have five. Well, who needs 20? You know, they may not have 14 baseball fields, but they'll have a couple. You know, you get the idea here. But, but I think, I think they're, they have grown in, in, in maturity and stature in, in ways that I think are really encouraging. Better facilities, better resources. I think the faculty are wonderful in terms of their, you know, there are a lot of faculty who 
served these institutions 20 years ago, maybe not even would be hired today, you know, because, you know, they, they don't have the, the, the academic breadth and depth or the, the kind of PhD degree. And now it's kind of quid pro quo, you know, for, uh, for those. So I, I think they've gotten better. I, th I think uh, Christian colleges have, you know, as we talked earlier, have, have huge obstacles to face. You know, pricing is but one of the, you know, how do you communicate pricing in ways? When I was at the American Bible Society, we, we had this as a little, a little tagline on our mission statement, you know, providing scriptures in languages and formats that people can understand and afford. Mm. Well, that probably would be just as true now for the Christian college, you know, be able to communicate, you know, your structure on the pricing and the cost side in languages or using words that people can understand and hopefully afford yeah. you know and i think there's work to be done there i think campuses are really doing but it, that's a very complex process my word to parents here don't just let the price point that you read about scare you away from further consideration you know uh, work work it all the way through the process and to see where you are you know, at the end, and then compare and contrast. And then I think a fair question for a parent to ask is, because the Christian college may be a little bit more expensive than State University X. Although I would, I would say this, in Indiana, the student debt totals for Indiana University and Purdue University were exactly the same debt totals, you know, that you had at a place like Taylor or Huntington. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of difference because somebody's got to pay the freight you know, to do, do what's there. But, uh, I, but I think, I think run it through the end and see where you are. And then when you see, when you look at the difference, this is, this is the challenge to the Christian university. When you look at the difference, say if it's $5,000 more to go to the Christian college, this is where, you know, I said earlier, you've got to know what you want and what is important to you as a parent, because you get to the end of the game and the Christian college is going to cost you five or $10,000 more. Question you have to ask as a parent, is the value I get for that investment worth it for my young people in terms of preparing them for the next 40 years of life? And if you don't know what's important to you, you're not going to, you're just going to look at the bottom line and say, well, say it's $10,000 more, more expensive and I just, I, I, I'd rather spend that on a boat or I'd rather, well, if those are your values, that's going to be the kind of decision you need to make. I mean, you'll likely make. So my, my point here, again, is as a parent, you, you, you have a responsibility to do some research, you know, do some learning about this, you know, wonderful enterprise. And again, you know, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm not here to sell you that you have to go to a Christian liberal arts college. I think there's value there, but at least explore it fairly as an option and then compare and contrast. Dr. Habecker, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. What a wonderful, rich conversation and discussion we've had about the influence that parents have on the college selection process. Thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, it's a blessing. Thank you. Keep up your great work. Once again, uh, Dr. Habecker's book, The Softer Side of Leadership, Essential Soft Skills That Transform Leaders and the People They Lead, is available everywhere. Go check it out. Get a copy of that book. And thanks again, Dr. Habecker, for being with us. Be sure to join us next time for the Higher Ed, Higher Purpose podcast.